Annyeong. Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development Podcast. I'm your host, Darren. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Season 4, Episode 2, Borderline Personalities. It is the second episode of Season 4, but it was the third produced. It focuses on George Sr., although also a little bit on Oscar. Um, The main titles have guitar added into them. And as with every episode... Uh, they were uploaded on the 26th of May 2013. This episode was written by Jim Vallely and Richard Rosenstock, both veterans of the series. And it was directed, as with all the episodes, by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller. Uh, this episode runs to 27 minutes and 30 seconds. So um, about a third longer mm-hmm. than the average episode of Arrested Development. And joining me to talk about this is Eric Harzer. Hello, Eric. Hey, Darren. And I'm going to give you the summary as it was on the Wikia page. Okay. Um, because I feel it's a little bit better than the DVD menu, mm-hmm. which basically kind of tells you nothing about the episode. It's as much character uh, as and... Netflix can cram into their descriptions. <laughs> yeah. uh, George and Lucille create a plan to get back on top by making a border between US and Mexico. But George Sr. gets sidetracked into a new get-rich-quick scheme involving his brother Oscar's California Mexican land. Now it's it's interesting because the kind of the, the the driver of the plot obviously at the end of development arrested um George wakes up next to Michael um and they are fleeing in his boat no. to um you know to get away um at the same time as Lucille has commandeered the uh, the <laughs> Queen, Queen Mary. Mary and is driving that away and um so we kind of get a very quick kind of wrap up of all that where George Senior kind of instantly decides to go back yeah. because he fears that Lucille will speak out against him. <laughs> and that is kind of like the driver for him going back. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, we start off in the desert and we start off with what appears at first to be um, George in a sweat lodge with a group of CEOs. Yeah. Um, and... Um, <laughs> there's some there's some kind of interesting stuff where the narrator kind of lays out that George it's George Senior's sweat lodge, and you know it's the promise of spiritual enlightenment uh, as a stepping stone to financial empowerment. <laughs> they they start kind of hallucinating and saying they're going to kill the Juana, owner, yeah. <laughs> which they think they think is uh, Oscar. <laughs> Uh, who has to says I'm not I'm not an iguana as part of the process. <laughs> Obviously, the narrator kind of head fakes us here a little bit because he says it's George Senior's Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. That's what the you know that's what the, the credits tell us. So we assume that the person we've just seen in the sweat lodge, of course, um, was George Senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the narrator is very careful to say that it's George Senior's Desert Sweat Lodge, mm-hmm. but he never says that's George Senior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so once again, the narrator is always honest. Yes, um, and. <laughs> and we find out that George Senior, you know, is going to motivate, um, you know, these these CEOs. Um, and I like, um, you know, we get here the debut of, you know, some characters that basically will accompany uh, the George Senior and Oscar parts of the story, mm-hmm. uh, which is John Slattery. Um, still at this particular point, I think on Mad Men, I think Mad Men finished about 18 months after this went up. Yeah. Yeah. About um, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Dr. Norman. Um, and we have Mary Lynn Raskob as Heartfire, who doesn't speak at all, but has <laughs> subtitles that follow her around. Yeah. Heartfire is one of my favorite parts of this episode. <laughs> There's also Karen, um, Mariyama as China Garden, mm-hmm. who is the very loud companion of, um, 
of Dr. Norman. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Norman himself being a disgraced anesthesiologist. Um, <laughs> John Slattery, uh, I think taking the chance here to play completely against the kind of Roger Sterling type. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not buttoned up or anything. He's very kind of loose and kind of laid back and pretty much always high from what you can tell. Yes. Yeah. Um, that seems to be his character, which some might argue that was the character of Roger in, in what, season five I, of Mad Men? Yeah, quite, quite a lot of the show in some, <laughs> some aspect, yeah. Kind of very laid back. Those three characters are the ones who are Oscar's friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, after we've gone back in time to the um you know the the queen mary being taken um we have a little bit of a flashback mm-hmm. uh you know once again with um with uh, Alan Wasserman and, yeah. and Max Winkler uh, and uh Kristen Wiig mm-hmm. and uh, Seth Rogen of course um and we find out this is the origin of the um you know a husband and wife cannot be tried <laughs> for the same crime <laughs> Which I actually Which love. A, what it's it's Max Winkler who is Henry Winkler's son. I love his portrayal of uh, Barry Zuckercorn. <laughs> he's very yeah, like just like wild eyed and like take to the sea. <laughs> like he's very excitable. Like it's it's so great. Yeah, take to the sea is my favorite thing because that is apparently you know they decided to always have meetings on boats. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like. That was kind of the motivation for that. You know, they talk about, you know, um, how, you know, three miles out, it's a free-for-all. Uh-huh. Um, and I like as well how Herb Zuckercorn is kind of completely disengaged during this. And he's and every time people ask him a question, he's like, sure. Yeah. And that's literally all he ever says. In any of these flashbacks, he always just kind of says, sure. Yeah, it seems like uh, the son is taking him for a ride and just kind of saying, "Here, just, just be here to kind of, like be an anchor for my craziness uh but uh so it, it, it's amazing to me that the future barry zuckercorn apparently doesn't know that maritime law is a thing when he's advising <laughs> everyone to take to the sea yeah I mean, it's, it's such a such a come down from that oh no there's actually maritime law it's funny actually because the narrator throw you know like we find out from john beard that nobody knows why they changed direction now that of course is a mm-hmm. setup for lucille's episode once we eventually arrive at that okay um but, you know, they, they talk about, the narrator says, the family soon met up at the beginning of a fourth season that would never come. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a nice bit of kind of meta commentary. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, they, they you know, I, I, what I lo- love is how um, <laughs> Lucille says, once again, calling back to the pilot, uh, look what the homosexuals have done. Homosexuals have done to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she immediately she so shifts, shifts the blames onto the hot cops. Um, and making out like they were the ones who who took the boat, um, and, yeah. and I I like how we get um, you know I, some people I I feel think that Arrested Development you know obviously season four has a certain reputation, but I like that when mm-hmm. Lucille sets up this joke saying that Barry is with the harbour master, he's trying to dazzle them with a suit of his own, um, yes. because obviously yes. you know they're going to be sued you know for you know pirating the uh, the queen mary basically yeah. and he he turns up dressed in like a full kind of like admiral's uniform yeah <laughs> Bar- ridic- with a crazy wig yeah ridiculous <laughs> yeah. ridiculous suit and barry just immediately goes well he hated the suit and i i, just, <laughs> I love i love that kind of wordplay you know because that's what this show is you know kind of really known for known for and best at yeah and mm-hmm. you know they, they they talk about how you know stealing the queen mary comes 
comes under maritime law. And, mm-hmm. you know, we find out from this point that they have three months to prepare for the hearing. And mm-hmm. that, that is setting up Lucille's trial, which will become a feature of practically every single episode until we reach Lucille's episode. Yeah. Is, is that basically everybody misses that trial. <laughs> They're all represented by photographs on seats, which I feel is also a, a kind of meta reference to the fact that the cast could not be together We're not in all one there. place. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. the only way you could get them together in one place is by putting a bunch of photographs on some chairs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and we also get kind of um, the tying up of what happened um, with the company. You know, we've already found out mm-hmm. from Michael's episode that he sold his stock to Lucille too so that she could get control of the company. Um, and she mm-hmm. got that from Stan Sitwell, who, you know, once again, Ed Begley Jr. appears here as Stan Sitwell. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I like the joke about him being picked up out of the water, having lost his um, human chest hair nipple tufts. And yes. someone just comes up with kelp and he's like, why would I put that on my chest or head or anywhere? <laughs> and I just love how angry he is when he's sitting there kind of like bald and wet. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, Ed Begley Jr. was one of my favorite parts of the original series. Uh, I just think he's a great comedic presence and. Yeah, it's, he's great here to come back and complain about nipple hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And wigs. <laughs> uh, I, this is where we get this kind of, once again, the kind of the jokes about the Bush family and their associates kind of continue on where George yeah. Sr. offers to sell the business um, and Stan Sitwell insists that he's got um, a, a contract and it's going to get government approval. It'll be bigger than Halliburton. And then he says, well, not Halliburton, but definitely Halliburton teen. And we find out that Halliburton, <laughs> previously known as penitentiary and rendition systems, has now been rebranded as Halliburton teen. <laughs> and they and they, they have a, a, a kind of a quick joke where they cut to um, uh, a package of Hal and Burton's old fashioned frozen goat cream, um, which, oh my God. which is, you know, part of their uh, their deep water drilling. Um, enterprise yeah. basically um, and you know we get the fight where <laughs> you know George Senior has his hair what little of it there is pulled and he says my beautiful hair and then Stan, Sitwell, hair. Stan Sitwell loses his wig which of course he says my beautiful hair <laughs> <laughs> and we find out the kind of main driver for the plot of the rest of this episode which is um, a monument to George W. Bush that is going to be f- mm-hmm. 40 feet wide and five miles into the sky. Um, and, you know, obviously... <laughs> it'll, never, it'll never stand. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I love it. I love the kind of how, you know, George Sr. kind of runs over and, and takes a photograph of these very crudely drawn plans, um, you know, which, yeah. which call back to the crudely drawn map, which is the first thing that greets us in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lucille figures out that basically it isn't, um, you know, a uh, it isn't a monument. It is a W for wall. <laughs> and, you know, the bushes and George Senior finishes the thought saying stand for the bushes, which I like. Yeah. You know, the idea that someone would write bush to indicate where bushes are on a map is, uh, you know, is quite funny. Um, and mm-hmm. I love how George Senior goes. This explains the immigration booth ten thousand feet in the air. <laughs> I would actually love to see that actual monument go up. And <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, and you know, and of course, we find out that Lucille had the idea to build a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border to keep out the mm-hmm. immigrants. Um, and the reason she had this was because Lupe uh, got a bleach stain on her tail blazer. Uh, now that, that sounds just like Lucille. Yeah, but that also, you know, 
Um, as we record this podcast, you know, four years after this episode went out, um, the mm-hmm. idea of building a wall on the US-Mexican border has completely different connotations. Um, and I'm yeah. guessing it's because a different billionaire, you know, had someone spill some, <laughs> you know, bleach stain on their teal blazer. Um, yeah, but reality yeah. is stranger than fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, this episode really isn't about the wall itself because, you know, George goes to, you know, the club and he sees, um, you know, as the narrator says it, he saw a familiar face, his own. And uh, yeah. we see yeah. Oscar... Uh, we've learned that Oscar's middle name is George. He's Oscar George Bluth. <laughs> and there's George Oscar Bluth Sr. Because obviously um, Job is George Oscar Bluth Jr. Jr. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not a member of the Balboa Club. But simply because he looks like George, he got seated. Um, yeah. And he, he introduces, you know, his, um, his friends who are Heartfire and Dr. Norman um, and mm-hmm. uh, China Garden. Who basically... Uh, China Garden's main trait is she just yells all the time. <laughs> yes, yes. And what the, the backstory for her is that uh, Dr. Norman was imprisoned for some reason. Yeah. And she kind of wrote letters to him that were obviously in all caps or whatever. Yeah. And I, I like how after she finishes kind of like shouting, uh, John Slattery delivers this kind of really laid back. And he's just like, as you can imagine, her letters really stood out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is just such a great kind of line. Um and, mm-hmm. you know, these are Oscar's friends. And he says, you know, to George Sr., you're welcome to my friends, brother. And I like how George Sr. goes, <laughs> I don't want these. <laughs> now, it's worth kind of um, pointing out that, you know, when when George goes to sit down, he actually says, um, you know, that he's, he's going to sit um, <laughs> on the other side of the table so it doesn't look bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, is obviously a, a call out to the fact that, um, you know, that's how they do the kind of the split screens. Uh, yes. You yes. know, so I, I, I kind of like that. But it's worth saying Jeffrey Tambor, uh, you know, as with a lot of the cast, I mean, this season gets criticized for various reasons. But I don't think Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tambor has lost a step in playing the twins and kind of differentiating them it, this time. Oscar, you know, has had the haircut, which later on he, you know, he talks about how George was generous and he's like, you gave me that free haircut and you, you dressed me up in your clothes. And then, of course, you know, he realizes what happened. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting that Jeffrey Tambor is still able without, you know, the, the help of the kind of wig to distinguish the two to actually still kind of create these two different characters, uh, which is something mm-hmm. which is helpful because later on in the episode, they, you know, they start to gradually change places. And so yes. we end up with, you know, Jeffrey Tambor playing Oscar, who's become George. More like, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the fact that he's able to do that, you know, Jeffrey Tambor, obviously a great actor, uh, kind of goes without saying. But it's worth mentioning because he has this job of trying to distinguish between the two and then kind of make them slightly change places. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, at this particular point, we find out um, <laughs> that Oscar has... Um, you know, I, I like as well how Oscar, he did this with um, Michael when Michael first bought his, his you know, his, his lemon grove, where he just mm-hmm. kind of casually says something that is what the other character wants to hear. So he's like, um, mm-hmm. you know, forget the past, George. I don't know. Maybe it's because I live on the border between the United States and Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kind of I, I love that because it's like he kind of casually says exactly what George Senior wants to know. 
Um, and yeah. George Senior comes up with the plan then to buy Oscar's land and use that to start building, you know, get money out of the U.S. government to start building a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I like, I like here. Well, I like particularly <laughs> when um, China Garden yells, "Ask him." And Doctor Norman says, "Would you like to watch us make love?" <laughs> which is, yeah. which I, you know, I don't think is the question that he wants. But we get a very yeah. kind of long explanation here about the Maca route, which is something which will, you know, feature more prominently in the second George Senior storyline, where Doctor Norman, mm-hmm. you know, kind of explains the legalities of it, saying that you know it's legal to grow in Mexico, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's against the law to consume it in Mexico. And you can ingest it in the U.S., but you can't grow it. And then Oscar yeah. explains that you can bring it into Mexico, but you can't bring it out. <laughs> Basically, you know, they have this plant that is growing on one side that people can consume on the other side of the border, um, you know, without getting into any kind of legal trouble. I like as well how, you know, Oscar kind of sobs here, you know, about how they're kicking them off the land. And so obviously that's where George Senior decides that he is going to, um, you know he's gonna buy the land, and uh, and I like how, <laughs> like how, as he tells uh, this to Oscar, he says, you know, I always talk about being a great man. Maybe a way to do that is by not being the biggest businessman in South California. It's and Oscar finishes by saying by being the best brother in Southern California, and, <laughs> and of course the narrator says he was gonna say by gouging the government when they needed the land. <laughs> Um, and I think the kind of the one brother cutting the other brother off kind of calls back to the relationship between Michael and Job, where Job will do this yeah. to Michael a lot. Michael will go to express a thought, and Job will kind of cut him off with the wrong, you know, kind of ending. Um, and you know, I I think it's quite funny that this is kind of kind of echoes that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And at this particular point, we get a couple of scenes here that call back to the previous episode. Um, where uh, George and Lucille plot um, to, you know, kind of hide this from Lucille too. You know, use the money from the stimulus package to kind of bail themselves out and to fund um, Lucille's lawsuit. <laughs> I like how, you know, there's a guy setting up cameras and because it's maritime law, they're waterproof cameras. <laughs> so it's got like this long kind of like, like the you know as you'd expect for a, you know like a hidden camera but it's kind mm-hmm. of covered like a it looks like a like a hose pipe basically <laughs> that they're putting into yeah. the rooms yeah. this also explains how some of the conversations that Lucille and George senior are having are seen because we see them from like footage from hidden cameras basically um, mm-hmm. and at this particular point George senior and Lucille announce that they're getting a divorce um, to Buster's screams, <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, uh, which is something that appeared in in the Michael episode previously, um, and of course mm-hmm. Michael doesn't care, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I I really like, um, and I <laughs> like here how we get um, we get interaction between the the different um, Bluth boys because. You know, obviously, Job is uh, is is lying on the couch for some reason. I don't know why. Obviously, we'll find that out once we get to Job's episode. Uh, Buster mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of shocked at this divorce. Um, and, you know, George Senior talks about, you know, they're divorcing because they haven't had sex since Christmas. And, of course, Buster is like... <laughs> seven months, yeah. <laughs> seven weeks ago, they were remodeling oh, we my did. room. And I pulled my cot in there, just like camp. 
And of course, <laughs> Lucille said, we yelled at you to leave. And then, of course, Buster goes, but then you whispered, don't pull out. And at this particular point, <laughs> Joe, Joe, in at least two different episodes, has made it clear that he, he has a sense of propriety over his parents' um, sex life. And he doesn't want to hear yeah. about it. And so he starts kind of making these screaming noises. Because mm-hmm. now he's hearing about this and he doesn't and he never wants to hear about it. You know, the few times that Michael has kind of brought it up, he always ends up kind of like yelling at him and telling him to stop saying stuff. So I think it's funny that yeah. they kind of do that as like a little background joke on Job's part. Um, while they've got the kind of main joke with Buster and Lucille. Um, and then, of yeah. course, Michael <laughs> it says, you know, um, do you want to use the money to finish Southern Valley? Um, you know, which obviously that is the main storyline from the first episode is Michael kind of going off by himself, selling the, the controlling shares to Lucille too, and then you know finishing off Southern Valley. Um, yeah. And <laughs> as we as we get back to um, you know the, the land, uh, we see on the television John Beard um, four twenty eight in the morning in the OC, and uh, John Beard is on Good News OC with John, Jackie, and Joan. <laughs> And I like how they're all they're all J names, um, and yeah. uh, Joan I think is Busy Phillips, and Jackie is uh, Natasha Leggero, mm-hmm. and the two of them are making fun of <laughs> John Beard uh, by drawing yeah. a mustache on a card and calling him a gloomy Gus. And then while he while <laughs> while the kind of while George Senior is talking about you know uh, the, you know the the Wall Project, uh, we see John Beard on the television kind of like quitting that program. <laughs> Um, which is the start of his many obviously you know he previously had to his previous job went when he when you know the the economy crashed basically Mm -hmm. George Senior lets us know that the government wall project has been put on hold which in its way is a little meta joke to the fact that storyline itself won't get continued until we get to the next (laughs) episode with him in and now we go into a different storyline which is where we start the episode at, which is the sweat lodge. And Oscar yes. Oscar takes his brother into the sweat lodge. And while in the sweat lodge, uh, it's there that Oscar, you know, while he, while they're both very hot, George says to Oscar, I'd give $10,000 for a glass of lemonade right now. <laughs> um, you know, also calls back to the fact that obviously, you know, Oscar used to own a lemon grove and he used to make... You know, he was given lemons, and so he made lemonade. And he didn't mean yes, that in by a the metaphorical sense. He, the land that the military <laughs> used yeah. or something. Yeah, he he meant it literally. He did literally make lemonade. Um, <laughs> and we get this weird cutaway, like kind of in this episode for like two minutes, and it it doesn't really feel mm-hmm. like it's part of anything. And she keeps using Buster to to put it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of Tony Hale's wheelhouse is kind of being the the put upon one who. Just has to repeatedly endure being used as the. I, well, he transfers smoke from Lucille to, to the outside, and the thing is, I mm. up until this point, I've never known Lucille's character to be a smoker, so I don't understand where this has come from. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just such. It's such a weird kind of like little cut where we just see Tony Hale, and I think that's the last we see of Tony Hale in this episode. Is just with yeah. Him. So what she wants to use. Uh... She wants to smoke inside without the smoke detectors going off. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, there's a no smoking <laughs> policy, and also she can't go near the the balcony because she has an ankle monitor on. Um, yeah, yeah. 
But I don't. That's pretty, uh, pretty cruel. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony Hale does kind of get out of breath and kind of a little dizzy from it, uh, from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and you know, George Senior, while in the sweat lodge, he he has this vision of you know lemonade, and he passes mm-hmm. out, and we we cut quickly to see his empty seat at the trial uh, with his picture on, which joins you know. Um, both George, uh, George Michael, and Michael's pictures, um, and as, mm-hmm. as this as the show goes on, each each new person who's missing, basically, we get to see all the previous family members who's also missed uh, the trial. Yeah, um, and I like here how um, again a callback to the previous episode. Um, George says, "Do a something search," <laughs> because he's, he's, <laughs> he can't say Google. He yeah. can't say Google because they they're kind of blurring it out. Um, and he's. Oh, I also want to bring up. Uh, whenever they cut to footage from the previous show, oh yeah, uh, it's the show stealer pro watermark is all over that uh footage. That is a great joke. That like it, it's it, it's in a lot of the episodes, but like it's just funny every time I see it. Yeah, I think that goes until about the tenth episode, and then during a clip, it actually the the watermark disappears. And oh really? Yeah. So that they kind of they really you have to keep your eye out for when that when that happens. But uh, yeah, I think they have a part where like it says free trial over or something. And yeah, uh, but yeah, so they, they, someone must have bought the 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 pro version. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, we we have a a something search to find um, sweat caves, um, <laughs> and, and caves. They, they they get them off of Craigslist. Uh, this will later. Mm-hmm. This will later tie into um, Job's storyline. Job's story right? But um, yeah. for the moment, uh, you know, Job groaning on the couch when he hears about his parents' sex life is the only part of Job that we really get in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, um, this is where um, George Senior starts once again um, becoming a developer, um, building mm. a number of visitor yurts um, and getting in some industrial-sized <laughs> juices. Um, and mm-hmm. then coming up with a seminar, which is basically based on caged wisdom. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, the narrator says he borrowed from his brief stint as a jewish guru while in prison, which I think <laughs> is a lovely... And, of course, you know, he um, <laughs> he becomes a ordained minister. Um, you know, he's known as Father B. Uh, one more, yeah. you know, family member who doesn't want to use the word bluth. And, Bee, yeah, yeah, and well, him and his brother are a pair of bees, um, mm-hmm. so that of course is a, also calls forward to another joke that happens in Job's episode. <laughs> um, but yes, you know, George Senior gets on ordained on online. The question, mm-hmm. you know, there's a question which says, "What is science?" <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah, the what Phoenix, the University of Phoenix. Yeah, there's a kind of an offshoot of the University of Phoenix that allows him to become a uh, a minister. Yeah, and yeah. the narrator. Uh, well, actually, we get a cameo here from uh, Dan Harmon as the yeah, which yurt clerk. <laughs> it's so quick, like it's basically blink and miss it. Uh, if you know what he looks like, there he is. Yeah, yeah. George Senior determined to create the illusion of first class experience. You know, he he has the yurt clerk saying do you want partial bush or broken gate view <laughs> <laughs> um, and we find out about what is the sweat and squeeze you know mm-hmm. where this the seminar is a reasonably priced thousand dollars um and we at this particular point we kind of cut back to the start of the episode mm-hmm. where one of the ceos is you know desperate for some lemonade and i like how you know george senior talks about how you know 
for 15 grand, you know, you can have lemonade and also, you know, you can mm-hmm. have penthouses and um, yachts. <laughs> um, and I like how he says, and how to get something for yourself by taking it from someone who thinks it's his. Uh, yes. You know. And, <laughs> that is a great line. And, you know, uh, I like as well how, you know, the narrator tells us that squeeze had two meanings. Uh, yes. You know, yes. They're obviously going to, you know, take the money from the people, squeeze the money out of them, and also squeeze them some uh, lemonade. Squeeze the lemonade. Um, yes. And, and, like, I just love, basically, what uh, George gets up to is a really, really long-form way to sell lemonade <laughs> to rich, rich billionaires. <laughs> yeah. such a great uh, idea. Yeah, and I like how, as well, he, you know, he... In addition to that, he's also ripping off his brother at the same time <laughs> where, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't afterwards. We find out, you know, how he's able to kind of give these seminars after being in the sweat lodge. And it's because Oscar is the one in the lodge. Um, and I like how yes. while he's lying kind of exhausted on the floor, he asks, <laughs> did you bring me some lemonade? And George Senior goes, uh-huh. no, sir, it is crazy out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it also slips him a fifty dollar bill. Yeah. Which Oscar doesn't think that he deserves, which is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, that is his half. Um, yes. But I like how we see as, you know, as everyone exits the, the, the sweat lodge, George Sr. kind of comes from around the side and kind of overtakes them, talking about how invigorating it is. Um, and, and then yeah. kind of going for the, the squeeze. Um, and, you know, I like how George Sr. says, you know, um, he goes, if I can give you just one note, a little energy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's interesting because obviously, you know, some of the episodes, they kind of time jump a little bit and we kind of get mm-hmm. this going on for about a year um, where, you know, Oscar keeps going into the, um, you know, the sweat lodge and George Senior keeps taking the money. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, we, we get to the point where, um, you know, Lucille and George Senior uh, kind of end up um, not really getting divorced, but kind of pushing towards that because Lucille is kind yeah. of annoyed at, uh, you know, being apart from George Senior. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we as as the kind of, you know, the, 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 the scheme goes on, um, <laughs> there's an interesting scene where a divine spirit appears in the shape of an mm-hmm. ostrich. Um yeah. And George Senior thinks that it is um, someone from the local reservation. Later on, we will find out that this is actually Marky Bark, who, of course, we have yet yes. to meet because we don't properly meet him until the next episode. Um, but here he mm. is kind of, you know, um, as an ostrich. Uh, and George Senior, okay. you know, one year after the incident with the ostrich, um, he had kind of lost his command. And I like how we've got these two guys... Um, you know, who you know the CEOs, and they're just drinking bottled water. And George Senior's like, yeah. "Who would like some lemonade for two thousand dollars?" <laughs> um, and you know, at this particular point, you know, business has kind of slowed down, and um, you know, Oscar has become more independent. Mm-hmm. Doctor Norman appears with a, a kind of curled up armadillo, um, and I <laughs> like. How he says, kind of in a spiritual way, if only we could use some of his medicine for our own pain. And then he goes, oh, wait, I've got a full syringe in the car. <laughs> and then he kind of walks <laughs> off. 
Uh, and we find yeah. out at this point, you know, Barry turns up, drives all this way because obviously, he, you know, he wouldn't drive all this way for for good news. So there's some bad news, uh-huh. and that is that he's a, <laughs> about to owe fifteen million dollars because there's a balloon payment due on the the property. And uh-huh. you know, we find out that the government, that, you know, have put the wall project on hold. Uh, they're not going to build uh-huh. it. And you know, Barry reveals it's election time, and we find out that <laughs> Lucille Ostero has. Adopted a a young boy. Um, who... <laughs> Is that the the kid from the like the the Spanish uh, soap opera? He is indeed dressed like a Spanish okay. soap opera <laughs> man child, wearing a stripe yeah. a stripy shirt and a red wig with a very prominent kind of freckles drawn on. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which suggests that he's not you know like as young as he's meant to be. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and it says, uh, no estoy hacienda esto por votos. Did I say that right? <laughs> is the quote, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, I did not, I'm not doing this for the votes, uh, which I love. Yeah. Of course, this kid is called, <laughs> well, in the headline, he's labeled Perfecto. Um, I don't think yeah. that's his name. Um, but, you know, obviously, <laughs> in a later episode, there is somebody who does have that name, mm-hmm. which. You know, not spoiling too much, but turns out to also not be his name. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Herbert Love is the person who is running against Lucille too. Yes. And, you know, I like how at this point Barry says, if I can take no more than a law degree from the Virgin Islands and turn it into a <laughs> net worth of $750,000 before, of course, what I own in lawsuits, then I can talk mm-hmm. a politician into wasting public funds on a war. Uh, <laughs> and, you know... Brilliant, Barry. At this moment, we find out that, you know, George Sr. is meant to be going to see Lucille, but instead mm-hmm. he he ends up, you know, going off to, um, you know, uh, con um, Herbert Love and kind of convince him to build the wall. Um, and if he doesn't show up, he's convinced that Lucille will divorce him for real. Um, and I, <laughs> I like how Barry says here, I used a lookalike named Stuart to take the California bar for me. But you knew that, right? I like I like how he's kind of just revealing things. And mm-hmm. George Sr. uses his own body double. We find that Oscar has been sleeping with China Garden. Mm-hmm. Because apparently Dr. Norman prefers it when women, you know, he thinks that women should not be awake for it, is how she, she says it. <laughs> yeah, so he puts them to sleep, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess that's why he was in prison, basically. That would make a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, at this particular point, Oscar is convinced um, to take his place and go and see Lucille. Mm -hmm. You know, and I like (laughs) Barry kind of comes up and says, I just pooped in a hole and covered it. And then Oscar's like, there's a commode. (laughs) Uh, You know, and this is where Barry reveals that, you know, there's going to be some foundations for a wall. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's kind of telling, ba- you know, telling Oscar, um, you know, we've got to be careful where we talk about this. I've got to watch my words, <laughs> um, which obviously he's not doing it at all. Um, and then, you know, the narrator tells us that's when Oscar realized George Senior didn't buy the land to be the best brother in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> Such, I like how, you know, maybe... Like it's taken Oscar a couple of years to kind of realize that he's so naive, he's so willing to believe in his brother, and he like I I love the interplay between the two brothers, and then how that relates with uh, George, Oscar Bluth, uh, Job, uh, Michael, and 
Buster. Yeah. Just Buster so naive and wants his brothers, but also Job wants his brothers to kind of love him and give him respect and stuff. Yeah, I, I just love that. I, all that I think it's interesting back. because obviously, you know, it's, it's one actor playing against himself, but, you know, he does it so well. Um, but also, you yeah. know, the fact that George Sr. has, uh, I think, twice kidnapped Oscar and put him in his place. Um, you know, so it's in, it's kind of interesting that George Sr. kind of willingly puts Oscar in his place here and Oscar kind of goes along with it. So this is like the first time mm-hmm. that that's actually happened where he's known that he's he's been put into George's place. Um, but also, the, yeah. like you say, the relationship, yeah. Um, George is always, like, he's never sincere with Oscar. Whereas between Michael and Job, there is a kind of relationship where both of them do show each other affection and love in a way that is genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just that occasionally Job kind of misses the point or kind of ends up kind of, use, you know, kind of misconstruing something that Michael says and then ends up kind of, you know, going off on his own and, and taking some kind of action that Michael did not want Job to take. But, you know, he obviously yeah, doesn't yeah. realise that. Um, but, yeah, you know, and in the On the Next, um, something actually I forgot to mention is the way that, that George Sr. managed to attract all these um, CEOs was being put in a, uh, a first class uh, magazine. Um, so obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, Michael is in um, you know Altitude magazine, which is in yeah. you know which they they go to the trouble of describing that it's in um, business class or whatever. Uh, and mm-hmm. in first class, they they have they have the um, uh, funny touches. They have the the uh, the stewardesses going around with little dogs. So they give them yeah. like magazines, and they've also got these little dogs that they can have as well in first class, uh, which yeah. is just a funny detail. But yeah, WE twelve is the is the magazine, and um, you know WE twelve in the on the next publishes a retraction of the of George Senior's article. Um, George Senior, yeah. as with Michael doing prayer hands in, in his article, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. with with Michael it was unintentional, but with uh, with George Senior it was intentional. Um, and you know, I like as well how the caption says, um, <laughs> says the best of altitude, what they're reading behind you, which, you know, which is obviously <laughs> a reference to altitude magazine, which is in the, in the, in the, yeah. cam- I mean, it's just, a, it's just a really great joke. Um, and they, they, they also do the, uh, the classic kind of uh, something that John Beard did on Fox when they say we were wrong. And they've got, we was yes, wrong. Yes. Father B's hot retreat delivers lukewarm inspiration. Comma, lemon, <laughs> uh, which is just a great nice. kind of headline, um, and Oscar yeah. with Lucille, um, he he goes to see her, and I like how he kind of does this weird kind of talking in the third person type thing where he he talks about you know how how can we talk about the wall and um, you know we mm-hmm. only we only did buy the land for personal gain, and um, you know I, I like where <laughs> when of course. It finishes with, you know, Lucille saying George, and he says, don't call me that, call me Father B. <laughs> uh, so they, they are, <laughs> so both Oscar and George are now Father B. Yes. But yeah, so, you know, interesting, there's a, there's a lot of kind of set up in this episode, uh, something which, you know, mm-hmm. the first half of the season has a lot of, um, and a lot of it is, you know, it takes a while before it kind of gets paid off mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. And, you know, obviously there is the whole thing with the wall, which, you know, given the current political context, you know, it has a completely different meaning than it did like four years ago. Um, when this when was this storyline was obviously in this episode, it was a parody of the fact that George W. Bush himself had built a fence on the border. 
Um, and the, mm-hmm. the board defense took years to put up. It kind of the use of eminent no domain in some places meant that people were previously in Texas, but after the fence was put up, their house was now in Mexico. And that is that is mm. what this storyline is calling to, and obviously setting up for in the later episode. And it is not, you know, literally about people building a wall on the southern border in the United States. Uh, it's it's mostly a kind of parody of what George W. Bush did. But obviously, since George W. Bush, uh, politicians, uh, or should I say presidents, have only gotten stupider. Um, and so yes. all of a yes. sudden, this story ends up looking a little bit prescient. <laughs> um, yeah, than it was at the time. It was just kind of regular stupid uh, in 2014, but now it's it's got added. Or actually, 2013. Yeah. Now it's got added kind of social currency. Yeah, and um, I think also there's, you know, the we've talked about uh, very, uh, very briefly the joke with Heartfire um, talking, you know, she, she she never talks, she only commutes tele- telepathically and she communicates yes. with captions, but what we didn't say mm-hmm. is almost every single time she communicates telepathically, the other person doesn't understand what she's saying, so clearly it doesn't work. Yes, yes. But I like how the captions It's a lot of her accurate. looking confused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of her looking confused that other people aren't really getting what she's putting out. It, it's She's one of my favorite parts of this episode. And, like, yeah, anytime they, like, do the caption thing, but then they, they sometimes turn the caption depending on where she's standing. <laughs> yeah. It's just so great. And when she's kind of in a group of people, the captions are smaller, so they're just next to her and they don't cover the whole screen. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of kind of, like, you know, little touches like that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know... Uh, I enjoy this episode. I, you know, it's been a lot of while. When I got the DVDs, uh, you know, which obviously I purchased mm-hmm. in preparation for this, I did kind of go through and watch like the first, uh, the first disc at least, so the first kind of six episodes. And I think it, mm-hmm. it works really well when you watch it straight after the Michael one, so you get a little bit, you know, with him coming back in and the, the stuff about the divorce. So you start to get little kind of bits of crossover. Um, and I, th- yeah. I think kind of the main criticism that people have of, of kind of episodes being too long or whatever, um, you know, I, I think 27 minutes is perfectly, it's a fine length for, for an episode of Rest Development, you know, and particularly as mm-hmm. there's so much Jeffrey Tambor in this and he really yeah. kind of manages to embody both brothers so well uh, that, you know, I don't mind it going a few extra minutes. Yeah, yeah. With With, with this episode in particular... The cast all do a great job of selling a lot of the jokes in it. There's a lot of jokes in here. Uh, there's a lot of plot in here, too. So uh, the shifting timelines can kind of get somewhat confusing at times. But, uh, yeah, it's just a really good episode. Uh, it's it's only, like, what, five minutes longer than a normal episode would be uh, under, under the Fox airing. Uh, so that would, uh, that would obviously have made it tighter. But, like, this doesn't fall into the trap of really extrapolating jokes longer than they're kind of worth this one kind of yeah they tell the jokes that they want to tell and that's that for the most part um you know so i think it works you know i i think um yeah. i think i think the criticism that you know uh episodes are too long or whatever i think that only work you know i think that's only legitimate if the episode feels like it's got kind of filler and given yes. the amount of plot that happens in these episodes I don't think you can ever say there's any kind of filler in this episode. It's, you know, it's wall-to-wall kind of plot. Um, you know, they, they <laughs> nice. and, and also they kind of, you know, they explain, um, you know, the kind of origins of some of the misconceptions that Barry Zuckercorn has as well. Uh, I, yes. I think yes. I think it's worth saying that, you know, uh, 
um, Max Winkler is a really good kind of younger version of his father. Um, yes, you know, yes. He, and actually, I, I, I didn't really notice her as much when I first watched the series. Kristen Wiig is just great as Lucille. Yeah. I think she Seth Rogen perfectly. Seth Rogen is less than perfect <laughs> as a young George, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the kind of flashback stuff with Kristen Wiig and Max Winkler kind of really works. Uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah. And that, Seth Rogen kind of works, but yeah. Lucille is just a, a home run. I've yeah. already said in the previous episode, and I'm sure I'll say in future episodes, I'm not a fan of that Seth Rogen thing because I I don't think he really gets what Jeffrey Tambor's doing. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. I think Kristen Wiig kind of does kind of embody what Jessica Waters is doing so um she works mm-hmm. you know she works a lot a lot better um but yeah so i mean if there's nothing else to say uh we can go to blogs yeah. sure okay so i have a podcast called uh topic tbd you can find us at uh topic tbd on itunes uh and email at topic tbd at gmail.com and then my twitter handle is at capital e underscore capital h a r z one one three eight great stuff and you can find us on facebook at um i've made a huge mistake or you can follow us on twitter at a huge mistake pod uh thanks once more for being my guest eric oh thank you darren and otherwise goodbye bye <laughs>